0: Whenever I hear that gospel, I always think of how when I was a kid, it was one of the key, um, I don't know, the, when you really knew you were in the family when you got left at church. Uh, and uh, whenever uh, you get, I get, we get someone, how could they have left Jesus in the temple? I know they don't have a big family Uh, Because we always got found out by dishes time. You might have got missed at breakfast. No problem. That's just more pork. Uh, But when it came time to do the dishes, it was, where is that kid? And uh, then the station wagon pulls up to the church and you hop in. So Um, I remember a pretty key moment in my life. It was at seminary. and, and, And this is literally true. I figured out the first step to my family becoming perfect. And it was a big moment for me. Um, It was when I realized for the family to be perfect, I either needed to be perfect or I needed to leave. Yeah? Isn't that it? We think about our families, we think about what's wrong, and if this person would just do this, and if that person would do that, and then we forget this real simple truth. If I want a perfect family, the first step is for me to get perfect or to leave so that they can get perfect. We have a perfect family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And they are an example of us in terms of what we're striving for. We're striving for a holy family. So I want to walk us through that a little bit with my vast experience uh, with my wife and kids. Um, So, God is a community of persons, and that is really easy to forget. It's so ingrained in our spiritual experience that we forget that when we talk about God, we are talking about what St. John Paul II called a community of persons, a community of love, and a community of life. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is the origin of creation, a community of made the universe. A community made the first humans. And it takes a community of humans to make another one. Community is everything. But it's hard, because again, although you and I are perfect, not a lot of others are. And that starts in our home. And if we can figure it out in our home, we'll do better with it here. And if we do better with it here, we'll do better with it out there. How do we live in union as a holy family? We remember our spiritual origins, a community of persons. So this community of persons made the first family. And that shows us how important family is to our God. I could quote a saint or a pope about how important family is, but there's too many. We'd be here all day, and you're already going to be. This is very long, so I'm just kidding. So I want to offer a few ideas, ways that we can work at becoming holy families in our houses. And the first one is prayer. Uh, We need to make an effort as families to pray together. And I think sometimes we're intimidated by that because of our schedules. And what I'll invite us to remember, and I'm sorry for this one, prayer should be the last negotiable thing on the schedule, not the first. If we are scheduling prayer around sports, we're doing both of those things wrong. Prayer comes first. And if we don't believe that and live it, our kids won't either. And then we maybe won't be as surprised when faith maybe doesn't mean so much to them growing up. Prayer needs to be, it's oxygen for our soul. It's how our soul breathes. And if our priorities aren't toward prayer, well, then our kids won't be either. And I think another reason we might get intimidated by, well, I don't know how to pray as a family. Well, it just so happens I do. Uh, And I'm happy to pass on to you the system my mom and dad used. And uh, here it goes. Ready? It's the word pray. P-R-A-Y. And I walked you through this, I think, two Ash Wednesdays ago. And if you actually remember that, I will give you cash. So, uh, and I don't have a lot, you know. But uh, P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, yield. Praise, repent, ask, yield. We praise. So we would sit together and we would, each person would say in our family, and we had to, like I, I wasn't, you know, hands together. This is great, mom and dad. Uh, But they were tougher than me. Uh, So I did it. Uh, But the first step, each of us had to say, I thank the Lord for, and then say something you're grateful for from that day. Really simple, doesn't have to be epic, but if you said, I thank the Lord for a good day, Dad was gonna give you the look. Where's Dad? Can you give that look to somebody? Just not me, I don't know where he went. Uh, Where are you, Dad? Oh, there he is, okay, sorry. And if you did, seriously, if you were like, I thank the Lord for a good day, he'd say, be specific, right? It made you look for something during the day to be grateful for, and pretty soon you figured out Holy cow, there's a lot to be grateful for. And Anyway, I could go on and on, and you're so in danger of that. All right, so praise and then repent. So we would say, uh, we're going to take some quiet time and ask God's forgiveness for our sins. And I do have to tell you, one of my sisters was famous for, you know, dad would say, all right, everyone, let's get quiet for a moment, call to mind our sins and ask God's forgiveness. And she'd go, Done. Like, she's fast. We repent. We ask God's forgiveness for any ways we have failed him, failed each other, or failed ourselves. Right? We repent. And then ask. This one's everyone's favorite, right? Where we present our non-negotiable list of demands to our Father in Heaven, right? Uh, But all kidding aside, this is when we hear from our other siblings what they're worried about. And when you're younger, like, you know, we were all younger, it did open my eyes to the fact that there was pain outside of my own, that there was worries outside of my worries. And I'd hear my brother, who I worshipped, you know, pray for uh, his time in college. And, wow. Each one of us would say what we're asking the Lord for. I ask the Lord to bless me tomorrow at school for a test, you know, whatever it might be. And then yield. Yield was when we would read the scriptures for Mass that day. It didn't take long, and there were a billion of us. So we can do this. We can make this commitment that this year we're going to start a custom in our family that every day we'll pray. We'll pray. And I, I would love that. Yeah, more importantly, I just checked with Jesus. He's all in on it, too. All right, no pressure, but I work for him. So we pray as family. The second thing is, I really encourage us to do this, to encourage each other, to be specific in telling members of your family why you love them. Because you know, and they suspect, but it just might help for them to hear you say, I'm so glad you're my sister. And I'm glad because you're thoughtful. I got to say that to one of my sisters yesterday. You're a thoughtful person. I got to thank one sister yesterday, because this is true. I said, you never judge me. Thank you. You don't hold me to a standard I couldn't live. And I won't do this with all of them because it will take forever. But yesterday, I was able to say to many members of my family, just one little statement. This is why I love you. This is why I'm grateful for you. And at the risk, I hope this isn't too much. But I've stood at way too many graves to not do that. I have comforted way too many families when it was too late for them to tell the person they loved why they loved them. You don't want to be that. You express your gratitude today and tell them why. So we pray And we show each other affection and encouragement. And then the big one, we show mercy. We show mercy. Let me check the spelling. Yeah, we show mercy. Because you need mercy, and I need mercy. I would love to be a perfect brother to my beautiful family. I'd love to be a perfect son to my dad. And I can't pull it off. I'm trying. And when I remember that, when I get hurt by a little bee sting from one of the siblings, never my father, of course. All right. No, whenever I feel that, I do try to remember I have inflicted those on my siblings, and I don't even know. Because they didn't tell me. They forgave me. They let it go. When we show mercy, it doesn't mean our feelings change, we can't control our feelings. But we can educate them. We can tell our feelings, no, I forgave that person. I will not collect this debt. I owe them, and they owe me, in the words of our second reading, nothing but a debt of love. There are going to be some relationships, and I'm sure for many of us there are, where mercy can only get us so far. So I do want to be clear about reconciliation. When we forgive someone, it may mean we have to keep distance. If they're a person who consistently hurts us and who refuses to change or acknowledge their lack of perfection, then absolutely you need to guard the treasure that is your human dignity and keep a respectful, polite distance because mercy and reconciliation are not the same thing. Jesus tells us we have to forgive everyone, but he also explicitly tells us what people we don't reconcile with. What's the difference? Reconciliation means the relationship is destroyed, is restored, (laughs) restored. If it's destroyed, then we're gonna go backwards on my notes here, all right? (laughs) Guys, I have preached so many homilies the last four days, sorry. At least you haven't had to hear them all, right? There are wounds that are small and a part of normal humans living together, and there are people in our lives, and I pray not our families, but that consistently hurt us, that use us, that talk about us, whatever it may be, I don't know. But if that behavior doesn't change, you do have to forgive, but you don't have to reconcile. For reconciliation to work, the aggrieving person needs to say, I ask your forgiveness. And they need to show an effort to change. And if they don't do that, polite, respectful distance. Because what's inside of you, he died for. So you treat it with dignity. And if someone else can't, it is not an act of love to volunteer for abuse. For us, that distinction's important. Because mercy and forgiveness are the only, you're the only one who can control that thing inside of you. Reconciliation takes two. When we look at our families, this is what I want to challenge us on this year, and my family too, we're all going after this. Let's pray, let's take some time to pray. If your family's two, yay, it's really short, yeah? But get in the habit now: My dad and mom were married for 50 or Steve, six years, 56 years. I never saw a day they didn't pray together. Until the day my mom went to be with the Lord, my dad and mom prayed together every day, and I dug that about them. It wasn't easy. They were both busy people, and they had very crazy children. They did it. and I'll never forget it. Pray together every day. Make sure that your family knows why you love them. You say those words. And then third, show mercy every time you can. Ask God's help. Lord, help me to forgive this person. Say that as often as you need to. And if the damage is so deep that it requires a meeting or a sit-down, well, then do it. And if it doesn't work and if you keep getting hurt, forgive. Don't reconcile. The world has so much to it right now. And I know I say that a lot, but I feel it and I think you do too. We need to make our families, we need to put the work in and the prayer in so that they're islands of goodness in the center of all the crazy. So that in the midst of it all, we know when we walk in our house that every human in there gets our best, not our leftovers, and that we're getting their best too, and that since everybody in there is broken, we're going to get scarred some days, and we're going to scar some days. But love is always worth it. Love is always worth whatever price we have to. So I pray today that this beautiful Eucharist, where God gives all of himself to us, that we will give all of ourselves to each other. That everyone in our family who loves us knows our love. That our family knows that we are a family that prays. And that we are filled with gratitude for each other and mercy for each other. Amen? Amen. Okay.